Welcome to another episode of the Chop Liver Podcast. We are your hosts, Elise and Amay. Today we're talking about how creatives do and should deal with tricky clients. So I guess in a perfect world, you're dealing with clients and it's not really going well. And you essentially just want to tell them to fuck off. And don't do that. Sadly, you can't really do that. Well, you can, but um, professionally speaking, it's not the best way to go about that. And we really wanted to do this podcast about how to navigate and deal with that. Um, I've recently had um, a client who I just wish I could send that email and just be like, go away. Go away. And it's clients wasting your time. Uh, So this scenario was sent out the quotes, had it all approved, made the samples, got the deposit paid. And a week after the deposits paid, bought all the materials. And a week later, I get an email. And that email says, I want pretty much the exact opposite of what we agreed upon. It's so demotivating because you want the project, but it's this constant back and forth and changing of minds and where the client doesn't actually know what they want and it leaves you at such a disadvantage financially because spending all the money from the deposit to now make what was initially discussed and now having to completely change the project. Um, And it becomes really hard. And I feel that I wasn't at all prepared of how to navigate that scenario. And my automatic response was, it's fine. We'll now just do something else without kind of bringing up the fact that I've bought the materials, that deposit was paid, that everything was agreed upon. And this brought up that and us now wanting to figure out for ourselves and then kind of share with other people, how do we deal with this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really tricky because, you know, at the same time, I suppose everyone in a business situation deals with this at one point or another, but you need to, I guess, learn how to protect yourself. So from my perspective, I feel like creatives often let themselves get taken advantage of because we don't have that business background. When you're studying anything in the humanities, um, you studied fine arts, I didn't study that. Um, You don't really have a business course or module. You'll have your philosophy and you'll have your like whatever it is that they feel you should have in humanities. But I feel it should be totally compulsory to have your business subject and your like entry-level accounting subject to teach you kind of basic business principles because I think that that's what it comes down to and that's why it's in a way relevant talking about this because in the creative industry we don't have that background and it's it's learning through doing that you actually are learning how to deal with clients running yourself as an artist or as a maker or whatever as a business um and you actually just you learning through experience. No one's teaching you how to how to do this stuff, and it leaves you like emotionally wrought, actually, yeah. and raw. And you're saying, I don't want to be this ugly person. I don't want to be the person that's in my mind thinking, go and fuck off. But because you haven't learned how to deal with it, so it's quite fascinating. Just touching on the subject because I think that that's the biggest thing why we creatives, as creatives, struggle how to deal with this particular problem. You learn from experience, but it's so much trial and error and trial and error. You kind of wish that you were given all of this. Okay, 
if scenario A happens, this is kind of how to deal with it. It becomes really tricky. And honestly, 95% of the time, you have amazing clients. You have people that understand the creative process, that you have people that know what they want. And it's really for that 5% of clients that you're getting where you hit a wall and you lose a lot of motivation from it mm. because it's just, it's like, okay, now I have to do all of this again. And one thing I wish clients knew is like how long it takes to quote. It's not just a simple thing like, okay, cool. You want A, B, C, and D. Fantastic. Here's all the numbers. Like, no, I actually have to do research. I need to contact my suppliers. I need to do all of this background work before I can give you that piece of paper that gives you the price. Mm -hmm. And I think what is quite challenging is that you want to invest 100% in a project. But at the same time, through experience, we've learned actually that you can't invest yourself that intensively or intensely into a project unless your client has committed the, to the same amount. So I think that reflecting on it, perhaps the way that we set it up for ourselves has to be practical, business-like, you have to kind of acknowledge that there's a, a chance that it's not going to happen or it's yeah. going to fall through or it's going to, um, there might be a problem. That And one thing is that I've realized, don't assume what your client wants. Mm. I found that rather double check everything that you're producing, double check, are you happy with the size? Are you happy with this color? Are you happy with the centering? Because you might think that what you have just designed and worked on, okay, that's absolutely perfect. But for your client, it might be something different. So I think it's always just rather double check everything mm -hmm. before you send it to the printers and rather have your back completely covered. And I think that also mentions something. Um, we just did a podcast with Adele De Beer and she mentioned like have that paper trail, mm. have that paper trail to fall back on. I think that's a huge help. Also, the one that the thing that you were saying in that podcast is that Firstly, I have to understand what you need to do and acknowledge that your language and your client's language is not going to necessarily be the same. We spoke to a few creatives in preparing for this podcast and the one is a graphic designer who said that they always find or they ask for a clear brief um, before starting a job. But if the client couldn't give a clear brief that they provided a questionnaire with the type of information that they needed to construct something that made sense in that language because your language maybe as a bookbinder is going to be very different than what someone can understand who doesn't know anything about spines or spleens or you yeah. know between spines and spleens in framing and bookbinding it's like very confusing so the identifying that you understand each other fully in that language is like it's so important it really is once again like just don't assume me referring to something that's quite common this is a silly example so um it's the the thread that you're using to bind i had a client that kept referring it to as a ribbon and it was just like it's two very different things but in her mind the thread used to bind a book in her mind was called a ribbon so you kind of have to kind of navigate that imagine what your book would look like if you bound it with a ribbon it's so delicate so it's like <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not going to be sturdy. It's not going to hold not, together. No, it's not going to hold together. So that's a very good yeah. example. And exactly. I think it's it's not then about point like, listen, it's not called that. It's called this. It's more like nudging them into understanding the language that you're using, but still in a way with their understanding from their points of view. It's a general, sometimes just a misconception where non-creative people are talking to creative people and creative people are talking to non-creative people. You're using a very different skill set, a different way of talking, 
and there might be a point where that doesn't fit together yeah no that's very important so if we want to talk about maybe common themes in various creative service industries you've spoken to a few people tattoo artists chefs yeah, chefs, I mean, photographers, and also fellow bookbinders, uh, the graphic designers you spoke to, and other creators, is one of them is people not paying. Yeah, big problem. And I think in any industry, it's like that. But what creatives, you know, why are they going to pay like for 200 Rand for hardcover, handbound book? Yeah, you know, what I think in the perfect world, I mean, you want to pay more than charge more than 200 Rand. But I think there's a problem where people don't fully understand the process. Like, oh, but it's a book and I can just go buy this at PA for 150 Rand. So why do I need to now pay this amount for what you're providing me? Which is similar. It's like, yes, but I am folding like over a hundred pieces of paper by hand. I am then sewing it all together. And I think it's just once back fully not understanding that process mm. regardless. And I know that we spoke to the tattoo artists at Heart and Hand and their common thing was people not, first of all, very firm in paying deposits. And I think that is something that is so important because it covers not only the, your initial expenses, but I think initially you know that that person is serious because you don't want to now, whether it's tattooing or any form of commission as well, you don't know want to go and buy all your materials. For tattoo artists, it's drawing for hours for your clients. And then last thing you want is you've just spent three hours drawing and the client doesn't show up for the appointment, which happens. Um, and that's covered in your deposit. And, you know, if you lose that client or they don't show up, then you're like, oh, well. At least know, I have that deposit money. Mm -hmm. And we spoke to one of the artists and he doesn't do a deposit and he can see sometimes he wants to do it sometimes he doesn't it really depends on the client that's walking in they often say like you can suss out the clients that are going to be the serious ones or the ones that are going to kind of give you a bit of a ride and I think deposits is a great way to protect yourself mm -hmm. and you can put it into those t's and c's what I do is that I have a non-refundable deposit of uh, 50 percent because I don't want to now go spend all that money and on my supplies and then it doesn't actually pan out i'm not gonna then give you all that money back mm. the people i spoke to is really understanding their budget upfront, understanding what they are willing to pay what they are willing to do really getting on the same page on um, what it is that the expectations understanding the expectations and then if they'll come back because we will often find this in the creative industry is that oh, can't you just, you know, we've spoken about this, can't you just do this for me? And, is, you know, why is it so expensive? Like, how much is a logo or how much is this? And then what this person was saying was also that, you know, within the budget is based on, a obviously, a conversation, what the needs are and all of that. And you are paying for someone's expertise. So if you're an entry-level designer or you're an entry-level whoever, tattoo artist, you're not going to be paying as much as someone who's worked in the industry for 10 years because those people are have learned skills and ways of um, creative problem solving and have the kind of heavyweight things under their belt maybe they've done um, designs for various big companies and they've learned a lot and they've won awards and so on so obviously that's going to be more than someone that's maybe just sorting out so kind of slapping them in the face and being like oh no you know I don't want to pay this like let me rather you know why is it why did you do it differently for this person that doesn't make any sense that doesn't make any sense but it is an expectation we always say in the gallery 
when people come and buy art they're like oh can i have a discount on this artwork and we're just like this isn't a cash and carry like some artists kill themselves to make this and with printmaking especially it's production the gallery and the artists get a percentage so it's not like you have actually like a huge scope to just give a massive discount the artist is already getting a small amount you had to pay for production and then the media and all the stuff that you're doing for free free essentially is only covered when that sale is made and then you maybe get like if it's a thousand rand picture you're only going to get 300 rand so we always say to them this isn't a like cash and carry you're not going to ask for a discount when you go to the dentist or the doctor but it's so common in creative industries it's so common there you kind of expect that question to come up in every client conversation you know they're going to ask for a discount and i feel like in some circumstances that discount is validated listen if you're going to ask me to make you one clamshell box i'm not going to give you a discount but if you want me to make you 50 i can give you a discount and i think people need to understand that when is the right time and place to ask for that and there are some ways where you can have the discounts are nice incentives uh one tactic that i've heard from someone is kind of oversell in a sense or overprice um, that way you're protecting yourself and then at the end of it, oh, it actually landed up being much cheaper. Here's 2,000 rand off. Mm. And I think people appreciate that, you know, because you like rather, the, the last thing you want to hear is that's going to cost more than what oh, you yeah. thought. But it's a happy surprise when it costs less and you're like, wow, this is actually, yeah, this is actually great. So that also kind of asking for discounts falls into one of the commonalities that we found is like people constantly asking for freebies. And it's just, it's like, I can't. It's Mm. my time and my effort. Sure, I can. It it won't take me long to do. But there is a thing on Facebook that I always see on Instagram. It's like, you're not just paying someone for that product. You're paying someone because of the years of experience, their university or any kind of form of studying that they've done to get to that point. Mm. It's not just, I'm giving you an artwork. I'm not just giving you a book. There is so much expertise behind that Mm. and for you to just ask me for a freebie is a little bit insulting yeah you're investing in that person like with artists as well when you're buying an artwork you're investing in the artist effectively you're not investing in that work you're not trying to um make your money back or just get as little as as you possibly can but in any practice creative practice you're investing in that business and any any contribution that you make is a worthwhile contribution to keep them going and because you believe in what they do that that should be it not just always getting the free thing or the thing for the little cost or the you know the whatever free costs um but uh it's yeah this designer I spoke to says that um, she never does work for free and that she's learned her lesson with that. And I think that it's quite quite harsh because people could judge you quite harshly on that. Like, why aren't you doing things for the puppies or the kittens or the homeless children and all of that? But it's, you know, you need to choose your causes because doing something for free or exposure um, isn't going to pay your bills. It's not going to promote your company. It's not going to give you food on the table. So that's all wonderful. But um, yeah, you can't, you have to choose your battles and and go with that you know going back to the things i see on facebook as soon as lockdown hit there was this meme hitting where everyone was complaining like oh you want me to do this for free and then the other meme was like oh but just think of the exposure you'll get and i think that is just what all artists do is like oh don't you want to do this whole photographic shoot for me 
And like, but just think of the exposure. Imagine if you approached an accountant being like, oh, don't you want to do my entire year's taxes? Think of the exposure you'll get. It's Exposure isn't going to put food on your table. And also, um, kind of the type of exposure that they're offering, like, what does that mean to you? Like, what is that exposure? I mean, is it actually, let's say, an exposure on this platform that a product you never use? Who's going to go there? Like, where is this so-called exposure happening? Like, it's so outrageous. And in a certain extent, you can can make a decision on what is, you know, if Google's going to say, I'm going to put a free ad, if you do something, but they'll never, Google will never ask you to do something for free, honestly, like those people know how to do business, so you must also think about that, like people are not, not everyone's going to ask you to do things for free, because they value the work that people, and I think that's the biggest thing, it's the value in that, it goes back to again, why we want to have this podcast out in the world, is for people to understand that creatives, no matter what their field is, there has to be more value in the things that people do. And that goes back to people not asking for freebies the whole time, not asking for discounts the whole time. And sure, you might have a project where you're paying a bit less and maybe sometimes there is legitimate good exposure. Take it, Mm -hmm. you know, take every opportunity as it comes. And I think with everything you need to value what's going to be worth your while, what's not, and see where it fits best for you. Mm -hmm. No, totally. And then the thing is, I mean, the other thing is that people struggle with one of the common themes that come through is the unrealistic expectations or like people being overly critical of products or, you know, that it needs to be clear. Like, how do we how do we troubleshoot that? Just from a bookbinding perspective is my biggest thing is when I have people being overly critical or have a unrealistic expectation of what a handbound book is. I will make you a beautiful handbound book. But also know that this is made by hand. I'm not a robot. If you want something that's like 110% exact, you can go get a robot to make it kind Mm. of thing. And I think you need to understand when you're getting a handcrafted object and when you're getting... And I think that's also sometimes a problem with where we want things now. We want things to be 100% and we want it now and it... Mm. like a naughty child. Yeah, yeah. Me now. It's like it's like wanting that kind of takeaway mentality. And like I've had someone ask me once, like, oh, can you just make me this in like two days? I'm like, I, I can't. It needs to sit in a book press for a little bit longer for me to give it to you in two days. So I think in general, it's just trying to change people's perceptions of how long things take, that things are handmade. And sure, you might be doing things with a digital printer or something like that. But I think from the beginning where you're saying like getting people's budgets laid out from the beginning. And I think understanding their expectations from the beginning and being realistic about what you can produce as well. Absolutely. And also having a a sense of time, you know, like if they want a rush job, you're going to charge them more and you'll decide if you can or if you can't do it. But if you have to spend late nights or weekends or whatever like that everyone wants a weekend no one wants to not have a weekend so if you want a rush job you're gonna have to pay for that and you as a creative you totally should charge for that as well unless I suppose you're trying to get your business off the ground you're doing a full-time job you know you can you do it within a certain amount of time but being realistic about saying listen this activity that I'm doing is happening after hours so that's why it takes longer 
or that's why it's going to take a week and not just two full days because you're not doing it in your full-time day. I think as creatives, where you are running a separate business apart from your day job, we need to start learning to do what we do and treat it like a full-time business, not just a hobby. Because that's really not what it is and you're not treating it that way. But you need to treat it as seriously as what you would a business. It's the same thing with um, princes. They have a rush charge. So you should be doing the same thing. And I think if you start treating yourself like a, like a business where you have, okay, this is the price for this. If you want me to um, do a rush job for that. If you want these extras like any other company you're going to approach, they add those on and you need to do the same. And I think when we start treating ourselves like that, I think we'll start getting the respect that we're kind of craving from clients. And that you deserve. Like it's not just, oh, I want the respect. Respect me. Yeah, it's what but, you deserve. But you are. And, 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 you know, God willing that all creators will get someone knocking, banging down their door saying, I want this, I want this, and I want it now. Um, because, yeah, it's hard to, to get your own thing off of the ground and, and all that. But, I mean, never be that. You're obviously grateful for everything that's happening, but you have to be realistic. The expectations have to be really real. I mean, really real. So that brings me really to the question. Is the client always right? I think no, unfortunately. But I think you should treat the client as if they're always right. Oh, with, with respect. With you respect, know? you know. I think there comes a point where the client isn't always right. You still need to treat them with the same level of professionalism and respect. That's the biggest thing. Mm. Yeah, it's quite a tricky one because in that sense, you know, honesty is the best policy, I think, dealing dealing with tricky clients. And they are sometimes going to be rude. They're sometimes going to be wonderful. Most of the times they're really wonderful. But if they are rude, should you just accept that? And should you just be like, okay, well, you know, it is what it is. Or should you be a bit more assertive and clear? And I think that, you know, there are ways to be assertive without you having to be rude in return. And that's you, the, the main thing is that you need to... Um, protect your brand so we're coming into um, how you're dealing with these issues as as a creative but the most important thing is that you have to protect your brand what you do and the your integrity in in what you do so if you if disagreeing with a client or if a client's disagreeing with you the most important thing in that is to protect what you've built up that's so important like you said what you've built up because what we've learned from any business is that when something goes wrong, it could ruin a business, you know? And if you're having a tricky client, just treat them with the same level of respect that you would be treated by. But like you said, honesty. It's like, listen, I cannot meet your expectations within this budget. I just can't. Oh, it's not worth my while. That's the thing. You tell them it's not worth my while for me to make X amounts of products for X amount of time with your budget. I, I just can't. And with that honesty, you, what I've also, what's surprising is when you have these tricky clients and you meet them with that honesty, you get a, the dynamic someone shifts a little bit because then they realize they can't mess with you as much as what they sort of did in the beginning. In terms of just being a service provider, working um, at Vessel Sneeman, we've just realized is that there's this, always a strange power dynamic that happens between a client and a service provider. 
all because you're paying me for a service or paying me to make your frames or paying me to make your books, it doesn't give you the right to treat me poorly because of that. It happens in everything. I mean, it, it's how you treat the person at the till, at checkers. Mm. It's how you treat the... You might steal five rand from me. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, <laughs> it's the not. person that's filling your car full of petrol. It's treating someone that's providing you with a service treat them with respect as much as you're going to treat your accountant doing your taxes and never ever treat your waiter bad never never don't do it no i've seen the back of kitchens gross (laughs) but yeah never do that so and then the other thing is i'm really important is don't get emotional just don't do it guys as as creative people we we we're passionate people but it doesn't help you getting upset and emotional towards a client. Mm-hmm. And you were saying, you know, t- treat it as a business transaction that you were saying you learned that from your dad. And I think that's really clear. And that's really something that people have to know. You as an artist, you as a creative, you as anyone doing any sort of work, we're talking about creatives now because we maybe don't have that background, but you need to treat yourself as a business. And business transactions are not, who I feel or whatever. It's logical. It's based on a plan. It's based on measurables, risks, and all that stuff. So you're going to base your reactions and your strategy on how the situation has been planned out, not on how you're feeling or I'm feeling hurt that this person didn't do the books with me that I'm supposed to be doing. It is, it's not, if you get emotional, you're going to feel like, okay, I want to tell this person to just go and jump in the lake and go never see them again. But actually, this thing doesn't work out. But the next thing from that client might come along and it's a big job and you don't want to burn your bridges i think the biggest thing i've ever learned is don't burn bridges even if you want to even if you really really want to don't burn those bridges it's going to help you in the long run because within the creative fields here i mean it's so small you know it really doesn't help you burning bridges being impolite being rude because Word travels fast here. (laughs) Mm. And also, I mean, that also at the same time, not to, but you should, you should know your worth, right? You should understand like what it is that you make sense of what the value of your product is, what the value of your art is, what the value of your service is, and don't compromise on that. And just be clear. It's just, it is what it is. You can be a little bit more flexible based on a calculated decision but not like, sure, you know, I actually haven't, you know, I know my photographs are good or I know my drawings are good, but, you know, I haven't really sold anything. So let's just sell them for a hundred bucks or let's just give them away for free, actually. That's a decision that you're just going to make as they happen. The biggest thing, like you just said, it's, it's know your worth. Know what's worth your time. And, and if it's worth your time to do something as a freebie, then go for it. You know, it's, I'm not, we're not selling you always pay for like charge for everything and things like that but it's a calculated decision on every project that you make which is so important and then the most challenging question Mm. is use not a question really a comment is use your powers for good or should you use your powers for good it's a good question because I think that this this person that I spoke to in the graphic design, they were like, you need to understand that I have the power to kill your brand if you don't pay the end of a job. And that brings us back to the beginning in, in terms of client paying and appreciating these people, people that are doing things for you have 
superpowers and they can use those for good or evil yeah and i mean it's even with the um tattooers we were speaking about like listen you don't want to annoy the person with a needle in their hand about to permanently put something on your body you don't want to have any kind of bad juju there and it goes back to well something that they often said is like you're gonna get the tattoo you deserve so mm. if you're kind of treating your tattoo artist poorly, if you're not paying, if you're being disrespectful, you're kind of going to get what you deserve. And I think in general, people need to realize, yes, we're creatives. And sometimes you might think that you can walk all over us, but we have way more power than what you realize. Mm-hmm. And also like the power of decision making over your own fate. You know, you can say, listen, it's not this isn't worth my time at all. I don't need this. I don't need people treating me like this. I don't want clients like this. And so just as easy as a client could not use you, you could also just not give them what they want, you know? Exactly. Or give them good service. Like if they're going to be rude to you, maybe next time, like in a gallery situation, we're always very nice to people and we always show them all the work because, you know, you have to do that. But um, you want to as well. But the amount of effort that goes into an amazing client versus someone that always is wasting your time particular never making a decision rude to you it's not the same it's not the same and you should people should realize that it's you give what you get or you get what you give exactly and it's like what you're going to put out there is what you're going to get back and I mean like I said like you this isn't the client that you're getting all the time most of the time you're getting really amazing people who are excited to collaborate with you really appreciative of the time that you're spending showing them all the artworks in the gallery they really appreciate that and those are the clients that you need to try remember those are the clients that you need to remember is gonna give you the drive to work on the next project and the next project it's just it gives you kind of it knocks the wind out of you when you have the one that's you're showing them all the artworks and you've spent literally three hours with them and, and they, they buy that piece. And yeah, and then they buy it and it's worth it, you mm. know? And it's but it's when the client that you've spent all that time with that walks out the gallery and never contacts you again. Mm. But you never know if what the effort you're gonna put in is gonna be a sale or not. So you have to put in that hundred and ten percent no matter the outcome. Mm. And I think that's what I've learned as well in the years of working um in the industry art gallery industry is that I've learned so much at the beginning I've had more difficult clients but it was based on my not understanding how to work with them the most important thing and maybe this is why I also stress that you should have some kind of business training or apply yourself to learning about business and finance um, as a creative as well because if you don't know how to deal with a client you're going to get hiccups you have to learn how to deal with people and how to do the best job and give them the best service that you can. Because, I mean, I think that I have good faith in people. I believe they're not maybe that many crappy people. Maybe someone had a bad day and they're going to take it out on you. But your approach to them, your response to them, the way that you treat them could really make it better. And they could be like, sure, I had a crap day. I was in a really shitty mood when I came here, but now I feel so much better. And you have the power to do that as someone providing a service. I hate it when you go to the till at spa at seven o'clock at night and that person is like, oh, plastic. They don't, you know, like they don't talk to you. They just like, I'm also like, I don't want to be here. 
at seven o'clock at night. But if they're so friendly through their whole day and you get there, it makes you like, oh, cool. That was a great experience um, that I've just had. And and that's the way that we should be with clients is no matter what your purpose is to actually make them feel great. Yeah. And I think you're going to get so much further. I mean, in life in general, you're going to get so much further by being polite and kind and just nice to people. You know, you're going to go way more further with that. And even if it's like client that you really just want to be like, fuck off, I'm done with you. It's be like, listen, thank you so much for considering me. However, I will not be able to help you with this project. Exactly. You so know, if it's rather be polite, rather be nice. It's just going to be better for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess the thing is, um, how do you tell clients to fuck off? You don't. You don't. Rather don't. It's just rather politely just be like, be on our merry way, you know. Do you want to be on our mailing list? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come back next time for something else, you know. And I think it's like we said, don't burn bridges because you telling that client to fuck off might be the client that wants to come back to you for a different job that maybe suits you and them a lot better. You never know what could lead. And I think rather be nice, be friendly, put a smile on. And but saying that, know your worth. Totally. That's it. That's it, guys. And please, if you guys have some insights and of how you've dealt with clients like this and um, how you've managed to, and your experiences with dealing with this, let us know. We would love to know. And um, I love think to laugh about it secretly. Lo- yeah. <laughs> exactly. And professionally, you'd be like, it's okay. We understand. Yeah. We understand. Cool. But. I think that's it for the episode and thanks for listening guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. For more information on the platform, visit our website choppedliversociety.com and like us on Facebook and Instagram and bring your friends. And this podcast was produced by Jonathan Bell at Bell Studios in Johannesburg.